Hello, everyone, and welcome to Full Time, where we take you around the world of soccer locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally. Full Time is presented by the Game Sports Podcast and powered by 91N. You are listening to Season 4, Episode 7 of Full Time. I am your host, Daniel Scarpino, and with me is our co-host, Gaetano Gallo. Before we begin today's show, Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. With their two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, you can download and access the Pizza Portal app so you can enjoy a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. We remind our listeners that recordings of Full Time occur weekly or bi-weekly and uploads to all of our platforms for public viewing and listening occur weekly or bi-weekly as well. Folks, we are beyond excited to bring you our final show of the 2023 calendar year as we are both repping a little bit of festive wear, Gatano and I are. <laughs> <laughs> it has been yet another extraordinary year talking about the beautiful game. G, my brother, in your excellent Christmas hat, I might add. <laughs> how are you, man? Uh, I am doing phenomenal, Scarf. It's almost Christmas. Sitting here in the Club World Cup final tomorrow afternoon. Like, I am doing great. How are you? I, uh, I definitely... Could not be any better at this moment in time. I got my uh, wonderful apparel on. It's a great time of year and uh, everything at school right now with uh, with everything that's going on has been a lot of fun. So life is definitely good, man. And, and I'm really looking forward to today's show because we got a really packed one here to end this year on a high, as, uh, as you alluded to just off air a moment ago. And in that show here and now today, we are going to talk about the MLS and some new developments there. We'll talk about Europe's Big Five, the Carabao Cup, and the Champions League, as well as some new uh, information in the world of football. As always, if anyone would like to listen to our previous content, please check us out at Full Time on the Game Sports Podcast and 91N. And just before we get into the show, as we just mentioned there a moment ago, this is our final show of the 2023 calendar year. And of course, this is a special time of year. Uh, people are getting busier. Uh, in their lives with uh, the Christmas holiday coming up and, and what have you. But I think it's it's really important uh, that even here on full time, uh, just to recognize how fortunate we are, uh, we, we get to talk about a sport here. And uh, th that's the thing, obviously, that connects us all. But we get to do it week in, week out. And as minor as as it might seem, it really is a privilege to be able to, to do this on a weekly basis. So a huge thank you to everyone who watches and listens to our content. It's just a portion of your day or, or a portion of your week that you dedicate to us. And honestly, we are incredibly grateful for it because it, it really is the thing that keeps this ticking. Because if nobody was listening or watching, we would just talk about it through text or over the phone when we see each other, Gaetano and I. And, you know, it, gee, it really is an honor to be able to do this with you, my friend. And uh, I just consider it a blessing every time that we, we get to record together. Yeah, I, you know, I, I say the same thing about Avery uh, recording Bigger Hours podcast. Like the fact that we get to just sit here and and talk about the sports we love uh, and people like actually pay attention and listen and watch it and like take value in what we say uh, is just incredible. Um, I love doing this show with you. Uh, it's been, you know, some of the most fun I've had uh, in terms of recording uh, content. Uh, so it's just a blessing to be able to do this with you and just appreciate the fact that we get to do this all, as much as we want. Absolutely. And uh, again, with with the, with the holidays coming near, you, you tend to be a little bit more grateful around this time of year. I know I definitely do. And uh, it's just a constant reminder of, of even the little things such as this that we ought to be grateful for. So getting away now from uh, the sappy stuff, if you will, <laughs> for the final time in 2023, 
without further ado, Gaetano, and to everyone who has taken the time to tune in here today, let's kick off. We begin today's show by talking about the MLS. After last week's MLS Cup Final, in which Columbus were crowned the champions of Major League Soccer, it is new developments this week in that MLS first teams withdrew from the U.S. Open Cup to kickstart the 2024 season. It was, however, incredibly short-lived, as we are about to find out. First, I'm about to read an excerpt explaining the decision for the MLS teams to pull out of the competition. And the following information that I'm about to read is from ESPN. The article starts with, quote, Major League Soccer will not send its first teams to the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup in 2024, instead opting to enter teams from the MLS Next Pro, the league's two-year-old development league, to participate in the country's oldest soccer tournament, which I actually didn't realize it was the oldest soccer tournament in the States. The decision comes after MLS Commissioner Don Garber criticized the state of the tournament during the open session of the U.S. Soccer Federation Board of Directors meeting in May, calling it a very poor reflection on what is what it is we are trying to do with soccer at the highest level, end quote. Now, Gaetano, it, it always seems that year after year, once the MLS Cup final finishes, there is some sort of headline, if you will, whether it's related or unrelated to the Cup final itself. This year, it happens to be unrelated, uh, but some pretty big decisions coming down the line and some pretty strong words from the commissioner there as well. But all of what was just said essentially has been undone because ESPN released another article just 24 hours ago to state the following. The United States Soccer Federation announced it has ruled against allowing Major League Soccer MLS teams to remove its first teams from the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup and replace them with teams from its developmental league, MLS Next Pro, end quote. Gaetano, what can you make of all of this? <laughs> Is this a good or a bad thing for the league? Um, it's funny because originally I thought it wasn't the worst thing in the world. Um, you know, giving these young players a chance to play, you know, more meaningful games on a bigger stage, like, isn't the worst thing in the world. I don't hate that idea. Um, but I also think because removing the first teams completely from the tournament maybe wasn't the way to do it. Uh, you know, maybe a middle ground of, you know, uh, I know like the Canadian championship uh, teams have to field at least six Canadian players in their starting 11. So, you know, something kind of halfway there, you know, so you have to have, you know, three or four players from your next uh, your next gen team in your starting 11. But yeah, to, to straight up pull the first teams, I thought wasn't a great idea. Um, and so I'm not upset that uh, that's been overruled, but I would like to see some sort of maybe middle ground compromise there. Yeah, I think you worded that beautifully in the sense that th there should probably be some middle ground compromise. And I think having those stipulations in place would probably, I would say, please almost every fan and probably every club too. that. OK, yeah, we're going to we're going to put out our first teams because this is a major competition, clearly the oldest uh, tournament in the States. I had no idea about that. And, uh, you know, we're also going to give some of these younger guys in our development league the opportunity to play in something that's meaningful. So a middle ground, to your point, is probably uh, something that would suffice. And we typically in the off season, even though there's no real off season for soccer, we, we don't really talk about the MLS, but I'm sure here on full time, this story is going to develop and develop rather quickly. So we certainly will cover it here as uh, new developments come about. And speaking of development, before we get into Europe's big five, it's something that it reared its, well, we'll call it definitely its ugly head uh, a couple of years ago, and it's seemingly finding its way back into footballing conversations. And that is the European Super League. Gee, you're going to take the lead on this one, but 
please let us all know what's going on uh, surrounding this developing story in the world of football. So originally back in 2020, uh, I think it was eight or 10 of like the top teams uh, in European football. So it was Manchester City, United, Chelsea, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Juventus, and a few others uh, basically pitched the idea and committed to the idea of a European Super League where these top clubs would just play against each other uh, to be, you know, the most exclusive and like top content, uh, top soccer content in the world. Um, it was met with uh, horrific backlash from the fans. Uh, that's like putting it mildly. Uh, and two days later, most clubs other than Barcelona, Real Madrid and Juventus pulled out of it. Um, and then it kind of just died off. Nobody really talked about it after that, uh, you know, just kind of went away. Uh, and then this morning, uh, kind of out of nowhere, Barcelona and Real Madrid uh, put out statements saying that they were still fully committed to the European Super League. Uh, and then they were kind of going to start the process of actually setting the league up, uh, which was met by basically every other club in Europe putting out statements saying that they did not want to participate in it. Um, so that's kind of where it's at right now as of 7.40 p.m. on Thursday the 21st. Um, the way this is, the, the whole thing went, even the first time, this could change by the time we finish recording this episode, by the time it comes out. But that's kind of where we're at right now. And like, personally, I was not a fan of the Super League idea. I thought it was just terrible in every way, shape and form. Uh, but I'd love to hear your opinion on it. Well, I'm in the same camp in that I thought once that happened, once it was announced, like, I don't know how to explain it other than like, I was almost a little bit heartbroken. Like, yeah. it, it totally tore down the whole idea of having traditional football where teams had chances and you basically just destroyed the pyramid of play in, in European football. So I really hated it. But to your point, uh, and, and again, Arsenal was in that as well. They went into it, all of these teams, and then it almost seemed like a day later, every club was putting out an I'm sorry statement and that yep. this will happen again. So now the fact that clubs are saying, yeah, we're not interested in this. We made a mistake in the past saying that we would go in it and we pulled out of it. You know what? We can make mistakes and that's perfectly fine so long as we don't backtrack. But these three clubs, now that are trying to go back into it, super hypocritical. I don't like it. I don't think that it's a good thing. And I do hope now just ha having all of this information come out, I hope that for the rest of this season anyways, that they suffer. And I hope that they don't do well in their domestic league. I hope they don't do well in the Champions League and things like this. Because again, if you want to look at, uh, Jose Mourinho said, uh, you know, football heritage. If you want to look at that, <laughs> if you want to look at football heritage, this completely goes against the green. So, gee, I am completely against it, and uh, I really don't like it, man. Yeah, and like what kills me the most is that they say it's like for the benefit of the fans, and it's like no, it's not. You know, no. <laughs> like so, I'm gonna use City as an example because they played basically every available game to them uh, last year, bar the Carabao Cup. Yeah. Um. So in that season, so you have three European away days. Uh, in the, your group stages of Champions League. So that's one in October, one in November, one in December. You get January off. Then your round of 16 is in the it is in uh, February, quarterfinal in March, semifinal in April. Uh, Champions League final is in uh, May, end of May, beginning of June. So that's like seven times that fans have to travel out of the country for you know extended periods of time. It's expensive. I follow fans who did all 63 games last year. It's an impressive feat to do once, but that's not like the, the average fan. That's not the normal fan. That's like the, the hardcore dedicated 
and now to say, oh, you know, well, yeah, you can, yeah, you're on every weekend, you're going to go to Barcelona next weekend, you're going to go to, you know, Germany next weekend, you're going to go here next week. Like, no, like it's just not financially possible for the fans who you're saying it is for. It's, it's just ridiculous. Well, and that's exactly it. If you're going to make an argument about why you want to do this, at least make it believable because this isn't about the fans. We know what this is about. And you said it off air. It's about lining pockets and, and their bottom line and their bottom line is money. And I really find that, you know, there's been a couple of uh, banners that's, that have been uh, sort of flown and passed around stadiums that, you know, football isn't about money. You know, fo- football is about the fans. Football is about the integrity of the sport. And I think this whole European Super League, it, it honestly makes my stomach turn because when it happened, I remember it was we were during that lockdown situation. I was in my basement and I don't agree with everything that Gary Neville says. And I know that that you don't either. But there's a video it was about a nine minute clip uh, of him just talking about it. and it was so eloquently put um, and I just reflect back to that. And I think we can never go back to that situation. So I hope no other clubs buy into this. I hope that this thing isn't to go, but if it is, those three can play amongst each other to your yep. point and uh, let us have the real football. Cause that's what we all want, isn't it? Exactly. And like, I do understand that like the clubs themselves are businesses and they need to make money, but uh, you know, to just to destroy the sport, for the sake of money like at some point it's just it's not going to work anymore right like you can they might yeah those first few games were like after they've played after barcelona and real madrid have played each other for the sixth time in six weeks like it's just it's not going to work yeah no and uh I, i'm not sure what they think if they're going to increase the numbers to 30 plus like how the mls has like the nhl has like the nba has or the nfl or something like it's just not going to happen so what are you going to do continue to like Basically, you're going to be playing a Sault Ste. Marie soccer league where you're seeing <laughs> every couple of weeks. <laughs> We've got our own issues here. Could you imagine the issues that would happen oh. there? Bloodbath. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, on top of that, like, it's just the idea that, like, look at look at Girona in Spanish La Liga right now. They were in the second division a couple of years ago. Like, they could they would never have this story. And even if they don't win the league this year, like, just like killing stuff like that is just, it's just unfathomable. I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand. Yep. And actually Jurgen Klopp. And again, I don't agree with everything he says. I know you definitely don't as, as a city fan, but sometimes he says some things and it, uh, it sticks with me for sure. And I remember when the European super league thing happened, um, Liverpool had a ton of injuries that year and they were just on the outside of the top four looking in. And it was actually West Ham who is in that conversation because they were having a really good season under David Moyes, the season with no fans. And Jurgen Klopp said, he goes, if we don't get into the Champions League this year in West Ham, do he goes, I would like to see that. He goes, I hope that it doesn't happen because I want to be playing Champions League football over West Ham. But if you want to go European Super League and Liverpool's not in it and other teams don't have the chances, then he goes, it's it's really not fair if you're just going to make it really exclusive to certain people. He goes, I like the fact that West Ham has a chance to get into the Champions League and we can all compete. So, you know, if you destroy the pyramid of football, you really do take out the competitive element of it, in my opinion. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And hopefully this is the last we have to talk about it, because, uh, you know, the quicker this project kind of fizzles out and dies, the better for everyone. I totally agree. And on that note, we'll, we'll skip over to something a little bit later, but at the same time, so quite intense, and that is Europe's big five. And we're going to get the conversation rolling with the English Premier League. Arsenal have moved their way to the top of the table with 39 points. Liverpool find themselves in second with 38 points. 
Joint with them is Aston Villa with 38 points of their own. Manchester City round out the top four with 34 points. Gee, there continues to be twists and turns in the top four battle. But one team that we can probably really talk about here is Aston Villa. So what can be made of them at this moment in time? Because i got to say, and they played Arsenal there a, a couple of weeks back, and I watched that game in full, of course. They were sensational. But, but what can you make of their season so far? Yeah, they are they are so good. Like Unai Emery, he, he didn't work at Arsenal, but whatever he's got, whatever he is saying on the train, training pitch, whatever he's saying in that locker room, it is working miracles. They are like, it's not like they're just like grinding out results. Like they are playing phenomenal football. Uh, it's, I mean, hopefully City still can kind of you know pip them and get get up above them. But like, I would not be shocked to see them finish in the top four this year at all. They are just like ridiculously playing good so far yeah and i wouldn't be surprised either the only thing that kind of well it doesn't concern me because obviously i want arsenal to do well and i don't particularly care what else happens but i don't think that they're going to have the squad depth that the likes of city arsenal liverpool uh even i wouldn't necessarily put tottenham there but certainly those three clubs that i just mentioned they're not going to have the squad depth so you wonder if if guys are going to get tired in the second half of the season and these sorts of things, but what, the way that they're playing right now is sensational. Una Emery's done a great job there. I think, you know, we, we I remember us texting, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, when uh, Una Emery was the Arsenal manager, and it's so difficult to be the man who replaces the man. Like, yeah. <laughs> really materialized at Manchester United. That's why after uh, Jurgen Klopp leaves Liverpool, it's going to be tough for the next manager coming in. After Pep leaves City, it'll be tough for the next manager. Pep's coming just in. never going to leave. Pep's just never going to leave. <laughs> Aspiration and dream, but at some point, at some point. But yeah, it's just, again, it just wasn't the right time for him at Arsenal. I think if he had come in, maybe when Arteta came in, who knows, we could be having a much different conversation but that's how football works but yeah really liking what Aston Villa's put out so do you think that maybe their squad depth if they don't do something in January that could hurt them down the stretch in the season it might but they're also not playing uh European football are they uh I think they're in the conference league okay so that's not I don't want to sound you know demeaning to the conference league but it's not as intense as the Champions League or even the Europa League so I don't think that's like the biggest issue for them and i also think if they like i don't think they'll mind crashing out of europe uh if it means finishing top four uh in the premier league so it wouldn't be a terrible trade-off for them i think maybe one or two additions to the squad in january is uh probably needed for them regardless uh of whether they're going to push or not i think just every kind of squad needs that little bit of refresh that little bit of extra push um but yeah like i think yeah, one or two players, they could definitely maintain this for the uh, for the rest of the year. Well, and that would probably be just it, just to get one or two pieces in there just to solidify things. And I, and I just uh, fact-checked. They are, in fact, in the uh, big party, I was going to say European Super League. My God. Uh, they're in the great <laughs> league. Top um, their group in the whole bit. So they, they are playing European football, albeit it's to the the least extent. But still, you're, you're putting games on the legs. And once you get further into the competition, you are – you are matching up against good teams. So we'll see what happens there. But right now, top four battle definitely good in the Premier League. Um, do you think that we can expect a few more twists and turns in there, Gia? We've got this really busy uh, Christmas period coming up here and now really looking forward to the football. There's going to be so many games. Do you think that things are going to change in that top four? I would not be surprised if the next time we recorded, the entire top four is in like a different order. There's new teams in there. Uh, just There's so many games uh, you know, between now and like kind of New Year, middle of January. Um, so yeah, like there's 
I would I wouldn't put money on it staying the same. Let's put it that way. I think that's the safe bet is it's going to change. I think that that's a really good way to put it, and I agree. And in the relegation zone, it's still Luton, Burnley, and Sheffield. Uh, gee, not much of a, a change there. But a scary moment last game for Luton Town is their captain, Tom Lockyer, went down on the pitch due to cardiac arrest. It was a, uh, a super scary moment in the Premier League. Um, reports are saying that Lockyer is in hospital, stable condition, and undergoing tests and is in the next stages of his recovery. But uh, obviously it's a lot to, to digest. Gee, uh, your opinions on one, the relegation zone, and uh, the incident involving Tom Lockyer, which of course is a, a much more important issue uh, than football at this particular moment in time. Yeah, just starting with the Tom Lockyer stuff, it was just like scary reminiscent of Christian Eriksen at the Euros. Like I remember watching that live as well and, you know, just sitting there just not knowing if I had just seen a man die on like live TV. Like that's, yeah. it's 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 tough. Um, so I'm glad that he's doing okay. Um, you know, hopefully that he you know kind of gets as full of recovery as he can, whether he returns to play is kind of, not the important thing right now you know just you know the, the the human being not the footballer tom lockyer needs to you know be all right first and foremost so hopefully um for him that happens i'm not sure what's happening with that fixture though i that's like the, the least important thing because yeah. they were halfway through and it got abandoned i actually just don't know the protocol for that well um, it uh, I mean, I only know for, from an Ontario soccer perspective, if the, if 75% of the matches played, the results stand. So I believe it was actually 1-1 at that time, if my memory serves me correct. So uh, again, I don't know. I'd imagine probably at the pro level that they have to play the game in its entirety. So I wouldn't be surprised if it uh, ends up getting rescheduled. Yeah. And like I said, like just that's like the last thing that we should be worried about. But I feel like we should just mention it. Um, yeah. Because it might have, uh, you know, an impact on the relegation zone. It's pretty tight down there still. Uh, eight points, eight points, and nine points. So, like, it's it's tight. Um, it's funny to see Everton already have escaped the relegation zone with their 10-point deduction. And actually, if you add their 10 points, they would be, like, nearly challenging for Europe, which is uh, pretty nutty to think about. But, yeah, I, I want Burnley to do well. I want them to get out of the relegation zone. It just hasn't hasn't started for them yet um i do like that they have repeatedly said they're not going to sack vincent company they're going to stick with them even if they get promoted or if they get uh, relegated which i think is the right play um it's tough for uh kind of a new manager to make that jump from the championship to the premier league in in one season like mind you like that that was his i think first season as the burnley coach like yeah. so i i like the fact they're going to stick with them i think that's the best long term for the club um, you know, unless someone like Pep decides he wants to coach Burnley, then, you know, you make the exception for something like that. Right. Um, but yeah, Sheffield and Luton, I just, I can't see them turning the season around at this point. I think uh, in January, make some moves uh, kind of for next season, bring in some younger guys that are going to be kind of championship level players and kind of go from there. Yeah, I think that's probably going to have to be the, the next play for them. And uh, you want to talk about managerial changes. Steve Cooper out the door at Nottingham Forest. Nuno Espirito Santo in. Um, I actually disagree with the sacking. Uh, I don't know what mm -hmm. your that was. But, uh, you know, I, I actually like Nottingham Forest as a club because it has a rich history there, uh, even in Europe. Uh, but, I, I, again, the way I see Burnley doing things, to your point, that's the way it should be. Managers should be given time. And especially because Vincent Company is a young manager. He's learning his trade still. So if you don't give a manager time, there's no way that they can 
implement what they want to implement and have any success with their team. In the case of Nottingham Forest, I really think that that was a bad move, G. Yeah, and just like it left a bad taste in my mouth because the reports were that uh, Nuno had already agreed his deal before Steve Cooper was sacked, which like, uh, yeah. just like, nah. Like, like, I, like, at least let him get fired first before you agree terms. Like, that's... And it's it's not it doesn't really make a difference, but it's just like a like a moral thing. Like you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, and I don't have the exact stats in front of me here, but I I remember last season at this point uh, we were talking about I think it was something like eight or nine managers already being out the door. I feel like this season there haven't been as many managers sacked, which I'd like to see. But then when something like this happens, I really don't like that. I think it's nonsense. But hopefully uh, Steve Cooper will will get some some work here soon time. Over in Italy, Serie A, Inter remained top with 41 points. Juventus sits second with 37 mm-hmm. points. Milan are third with 32 points. Bologna find themselves in fourth with 28 points. Napoli, Fiorentina, Atalanta, and Roma are just on the outside looking in. G Serie A is seeming, uh, seeing rather some separation in some ways, uh, and mm-hmm. but still remaining competitive in others. Uh, your thoughts here? Yeah, I, I gave you a stick in our uh, in our preview show this summer when you you took Inter to to uh, regain Serie A title, and you know I, they had some massive departures, um, but they've they've been really really good this year. Um, yeah, them and Juventus are sl- uh, starting to slowly climb away. I mean, that's still within reach. You know, it's five points between second and third. It's not you know insurmountable. That's a couple of games. Uh, I do like Bologna climbing in there, just kind of out of the blue. Um, even though it does mean a team like Roma or Atalanta are kind of falling out. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a, so far a pretty unpredictable title race. I'm uh, really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it too. And I, and I don't know why, if, if it was maybe just my, my coaching prowess over these past 13 years, I just figured even with those departures at Inter, that they would just get things right tactically. Because I've seen in the past too, like even teams I've coached against and I've heard like, for example, again, much smaller scale, but you know, the previous season we play against Kitchener and their best player or their two best players move to Waterloo, which is just down the road. It's like, oh, you know, Kitchener is going to be a weak side this year. And then all of a sudden, like they have a completely different way in which they play. And then the way that I'm preparing my team and training to play them is completely different because you don't know what you're going to get. So the game that you think you're going to win five now, all of a sudden is a, a 2-1 or a 3-2. And it's like, oh, whoa, you know, they, they figured things out. So I had this funny feeling that Inter would get a lot of season left to play. Maybe things go pear-shaped for them, but uh, we'll see. I definitely like uh, the look of City A right now. Out in La Liga, guess who? It's Girona who have moved back to the top of the table. What a season they have been having. That's 44 points for them as they near the halfway stage. Real Madrid are in second with 42 points. Barcelona sit third with 35 points. Atletico Madrid are in fourth with 34 points. Gatano, there's really only one story here. Then you mentioned it earlier in our show, and that is a story about Hirona, uh, almost at the halfway mark in the season and absolutely tearing it up in La Liga uh, as they are sitting pretty at the top. Uh, gee, we, we don't know if this Cinderella story is to last, uh, but how amazing has this been to uh, has has this been to see for what Hirona has done this season so far? Yeah, and like I mentioned earlier, talking about the Super League, like they were in the second division a couple of years ago. Like they have not had it easy. They don't have even they are owned by City Football Group, but they don't have the big marquee signings. It's not you know, right? You know, love and bits, but Sheikh Mansour isn't spending the big bucks on Hirona. You know, um, they're just a really, really like well-drilled team playing. And I've I've run out of words to describe how they play their football because they're just 
like Aston Villa are kind of like up here. They're playing great. Corona are like up here. They are just phenomenal. Uh, Yan Kutu, the right back, right wing back, right winger, has just been electric. I really hope City steal him uh, over the summer or in January because he's just, you know, I don't want to say the perfect Kyle Walker replacement, but the way Pep likes to play, like he's just the, the prototype, typical Pep fullback. I love him to bits. Um, they're just, it's just stunning to watch. Like, I'm, I, like I said, I'm out of words to describe them. They've just been phenomenal and they've been getting the great results which is just perfect for them yep and again at this point in the season uh, you know you could maybe say five seven games in okay they're just they're hot to start the season a little bit you know uh, that that rub of green that little bit of luck if you if you will this ain't luck this ain't a rub of green this is a, a team was playing at a high level proper football and like you said some of the stuff that they're producing week in week out is sensational to see so in my opinion long may it continue i'd love to see somebody different than real madrid or barca win la liga i think it would be great not just for la liga but i think it'd be great for football well man they slapped barcelona last week 4-2 and like i don't want to i don't want to compare it to like when in bayern munich would destroy barcelona in the champions league but like it had like the same kind of vibes where barcelona just looked lost like just had no idea what had hit them. Uh, it was phenomenal to watch. I loved it. Yep. Long may it continue because, uh, you know, people say, oh, it's always the same teams winning in football. Well, maybe this time around, maybe it's not. Germany's Bundesliga is still rocking. It's Leverkusen who remain top by a four-point margin over second-place Bayern. Stuttgart are in third and RB Leipzig are in fourth. Gee, did we expect this of Leverkusen this season? I thought they would be good. They're typically in a kind of top four, top six-ish. But Xabi uh, Alonso, what a coach. I'll tell um, you. He, he's going to be at Real Madrid uh, very, very soon. Uh, it's, it's just a match made in heaven. Um, but yeah, the, the the again, like similar to the way like Hirona are playing, like Leverkusen are just stunning to watch. Uh, it's like totally different like ways of playing too. It's not that they're like playing the same way. Like Leverkusen are just like a full because they're German. I don't want to use the term, but like they're just a full blitz. Like they just attack and attack and they score and they score. It's just been phenomenal. I don't know if they can keep it up. Like we said this kind of a little earlier in the season. Oh, you know, it's five, ten games, whatever. But like halfway through the season, like scoring at the rate they're scoring and not conceding at the rate that they're not conceding, like they have a real shot of winning the Bundesliga here. I think they do too. And and for me, just analyzing it from a tactical point of view, I love the way that they press. Like oh. they press with 10 players and hell, I think if, if Javi Alonso would give the, the goalkeeper the license, they'd press with, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's incredible to see the, the uniformity, the tight lines, the way that they hunt in packs. I think it's just, it's awesome. It's actually given me some ideas even for the way that I might want to have my team press this year at high school level, just because it's so simple. But it's so effective, if that makes oh, sense. Oh, yeah. And, like, that's it. It's simple, but it's not easy. That's, like, the key thing. Like, it's yeah. that's the beauty of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's that famous quote, and I'm paraphrasing, but football is a beautiful game, or a simple game, rather, but people make it difficult. But uh, the way uh, Leverkusen are doing it right now is as difficult as it might be in theory. They're, they're just making it look so, so easy. And uh, I love what I'm seeing from them. So, again, good challenge and good title race there in Germany. And finally, in France's league, PSG are finding form and steadily increasing their gap at the top. They hold a five-point advantage over second-place Nice. Monaco and Brest round out the top four. 
Gee, we've been talking about it for a few weeks now, but it, it seems as though um, these are the moments when PSG tend to pull away. And we're looking at a big January for them. Yeah, they're starting to get the ball rolling. Four wins in their last five. Um, you know, hopefully someone like Nice or Monaco can kind of put up some sort of challenge. But the way that PSG not only are like they're getting the results with the way they're playing, you're starting to see it kind of clicking now. So, yeah, I would not be shocked at all if they really started to pull away with this soon. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think two things, in my opinion, in that if you take a look at all five of the leagues in Europe, if you had to pick one league who you, who you would say, OK, this team's going to run away with it, you'd probably pick PSG in Ligue 1. But also the bigger question is going to be how PSG is going to fare in Europe. I think that's the, the biggest thing on everybody's mind and not so much Ligue 1, but we'll definitely keep tabs on that. This is Daniel Scarpino and Gaetano Gallo, and you're listening to Full Time on the Game Sports Podcast. A reminder that Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. You can download and access the Pizza Portal app for any of the two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Have a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. It's a cup competition that we haven't yet talked about this year, but it is coming down to the nitty gritty, and that is the Carabao Cup. Quarterfinal action most recently took place between the likes of Everton and Fulham, Port Vale and Middlesbrough, Chelsea and Newcastle, and Liverpool and West Ham. The winners of the quarterfinals and the four teams that have advanced to the semifinal in this competition are Fulham, Middlesbrough, Chelsea, and Liverpool. Gatano, first and foremost, this competition isn't nearly as prestigious as, let's say, the FA Cup, or certainly not as prestigious as we're going to talk about here shortly, the Champions League. Um, but it still does have some level of prestige, of course. It seemed like for uh, the longest time, and you'll appreciate this, it was uh, your Manchester City that were winning this competition season after season. And uh, regardless of who might be in the tournament at this stage or at any point, really, uh, what do you like about this cup competition? So first of all, I'm just really disappointed City didn't win it last year and then this year, because I think the Carabao license runs out after this season. Um so if they had won last year and then won it this year, we would have been the only Carabao Cup champions ever, which would have just been fun just for the sake of it. But I love it. It's it's a great competition. Uh, City have historically used it to bring younger players kind of into the first team, usually in the early stages, not so much in the semifinals and finals, but it still gives these younger players a chance, like we were talking about with the MLS, you know, to play meaningful games with the senior players. Like it's great to be able to play as, you know, an 18, 19 year old with other 18, 19 year olds, but to, you know, put a midfielder alongside Kevin De Bruyne or, you know, back in the day with like David Silva and Yaya Turi, like that's the big step up. Like, let's see, can you, can you make that jump? So I, I personally love the competition. Uh, I wish City would have done a little better this year. Losing the first round to Southampton is not ever ideal, but uh, yeah, I, I love the competition. It's great. Yeah, I agree with you uh, wholeheartedly. And I like the fact that, and correct me if I'm wrong here, obviously in the FA Cup, there's European incentives involved there. But I do believe in the Carabao Cup, there are some European incentives involved there, too. Might have to be fact-checked on that, though. I'm not 100% sure, but I want to say you're right. Give me two seconds. You can start talking about the semifinals coming up, and I will pull this up for you. Certainly will. And uh, those four teams that, that we just talked about, they are Fulham and Liverpool, uh, as well as Chelsea and Middlesbrough. So we are going to see those two, uh, those four teams, rather, in two semifinals in this uh, competition, just so folks know, it is played over two legs, very similar to how uh, the Champions League does things. So uh, the semifinals are over two legs. Were you able to find anything? Yes, so the winner of the Carabao Cup earns a place in the playoff round of the Europa League, uh, the Europa Conference League. There you go. So again, it's, it's minor incentives, very, very minor, but a European incentive nonetheless. So 
Uh, the ultimate question here is last year we saw Ooh, them. Wait, sorry. There's sorry. There's a continuation here. I didn't read it fully. Uh, if the Carabao Cup winner also finishes in the top four of the Premier League, something that has happened before, they will automatically automatically qualify for the Champions League. So there actually is like very serious, uh, you know, qualification ramifications here. Yep, and uh, I figured that there was some sort of European incentive. I, I had a gut feeling, uh, if my memory had served me correctly, and it certainly did. So there you go. Again, this isn't um, just some sort of rollover cup competition. And uh, Pep Guardiola said it a few years ago, hey, you get to start, you know, uh, part of the new year. I know it happens in February, but you start your season with the trophy. Like, you know, it's incredible. The, or the new year, rather, not the season, the new year with a trophy. I think that's a great thing uh, if you're in the competition. So Liverpool did it last year over Chelsea. Are we going to see a rematch of that final this year, G? We should. Um, you know, like realistically, we should. Liverpool should beat Fulham. Chelsea should beat Middlesbrough. Would I prefer if we didn't? Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I would probably say it's going to be a rematch of last year's final. I think so too. And if 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 this was played just you know one-off semifinals, I'd actually have a much different prediction. I actually think that Fulham yeah. would go through, and I actually do think that Middlesbrough would have a chance but I'm going to go uh, Chelsea and Liverpool purely because it's played over two legs and the quality that both of those teams have uh, Fulham and Middlesbrough don't quite match up. So uh, we will definitely keep tabs on that. Uh, we got those uh, semi-final legs happening uh, basically right at the start of the new year in January. So exciting times ahead for those four teams in the Carabao Cup. Moving to an even more prestigious competition, it is the Champions League that has the final 16 teams who will battle things out in the round of 16. Those teams who came top two in their respective groups and will move on to the round of 16 are Bayern Munich, Copenhagen, Arsenal, PSV, Real Madrid, Napoli, Real Sociedad, Inter, Atletico Madrid, Lazio, Dortmund, PSG, Manchester City, RB Leipzig, Barcelona, and Porto. Gee, some massive names and clubs mentioned in here, as of course there ought to be in the, in the Champions League. But how competitive do you think that these 16 teams will be in the round of 16? Looking at like kind of the the group stage, like not a lot of big hitters went out. Scarfs like, yeah, like you know, it's it's easy when you like look at the groups at the beginning and like do your predictions. Be like, oh, you pick the two biggest teams to go through because it just like makes sense. But we know football isn't always like that. But it kind of was this year, so it is what it is, right? <laughs> it is. And you know what? One one point I kind of disagreed with, and I listened to a lot of Arsenal podcasts and things like this. A lot of people on uh, on a particular Arsenal podcast were saying you know what, uh, Champions League in, in that, you know, round of 16, give us anybody, we'll take anybody. <laughs> well, at the same time, it's like, you know, just because you were in pot one and you're going to play against the team in pot two, the teams in pot two are, like, still really good. Like, the, the only one that maybe you could point to, which was, like, a bit of a surprise, which wasn't even really a surprise because they had Man United in the group, was Copenhagen. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. any team that you're going to come up at, at least this year, I think it's, I think it's very high competition. Yeah, and I mean, like, you you do have to have some sort of, you know, attitude of bring it yeah. on because, you know, you can't you'd be like, oh, like, I don't want this team, I don't want that team, I don't want this team. And also, like, I look at City's run last year, like, we played Leipzig, we played Bayern Munich, we played Real Madrid, we played Inter. Like, we didn't take, like, an, we didn't get an easy route. Like, we took out big hitters. We took out some of Europe's biggest, which makes it a little sweeter. Like, winning the competition, regardless, is phenomenal. But, yeah. like, it is a little, like, a little bonus to be like, hey, like, we didn't just beat, like, Porto and you know Braga and you know Red Star Belgrade to get there like we took on we took on the best we beat the best but yeah like the, like all of the best are basically in the round of 16 right now 
Uh, exactly. And, and sometimes, like you said, it makes the victory that much sweeter. Just the other day, it's uh, totally unrelated in the sport. Anyways, I was watching this thing uh, on the on the Los Angeles Lakers for the NBA. And one of the runs that Kobe Bryant had when they played the Celtics in the final, the second time when they actually beat them, the run up to that final, the first whatever three teams that they played, like I can't remember off the top of my head, but every team was like a title challenging team in the NBA that year made that victory against the Celtics in the final that much sweeter. So, again, to your point, uh, all the teams that are in here, there, there are some big hitters. So we're going to go over here and now uh, all of uh, all of the matchups in the round of 16. And one of the funnest things we get to do on our show is make predictions and then compare by the end of it to see who did well and who didn't. And, uh, yeah, it's always a great deal of fun. So first, we've got Copenhagen against your Manchester City, Gaetano. It's the champions against a... Well, relatively speaking, an underdog. And whilst I already know the answer here for who's going to win, <laughs> I have to ask uh, not only who will win, but how is it going to be done, G? Well, I mean, Copenhagen isn't for every Manchester club, but uh, I do feel like City are going to have a little bit of a, a better time with this. Um, they are a good team. We played them in the group stages. I don't think it was last year, but I think it was the year before. Like, they're a good team. Like, they're not going to roll over and die. Like, they are going to put up a fight, but City should be going through. I agree with that. The only thing that might get a bit tricky is the away day at Copenhagen. Yeah. That's a rowdy atmosphere. And like you said, not every Manchester team can handle it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, Manchester City uh, ought to roll through with relative ease. Next, we've got RB Leipzig against Real Madrid. Gatano, I think uh, people might underestimate this tie, to be honest with you, and automatically point to Madrid to win it easily. But will that be the case? My gut instinct was I wanted to take Leipzig as an upset, but I thought about it a little longer and I was like, it's going to be close, but I do think Real Madrid are going to edge it. I think Leipzig are going to push them for 180 minutes. Like that's going, they're like Real Madrid are going to earn their way through this tie. It's not going to be easy at all. Yeah, they're not going to roll over and it's not going to be handed to them, but I'm also going to take Madrid. Um, but I think that's actually going to be a lot better of a, of a matchup than most people think that it will be. Because, um, well, and, and you would know from the city playing against Leipzig, yeah. right? That's a tough battle, that is. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, but I will also take Madrid. Moving along, it'll be PSG up against Real Sociedad. Catano, again, this is probably a, a tie where many people think that the result is a, a foregone conclusion. But what do you think will happen here? So uh, I do think PSG are going to choke, but I don't think it'll be against Real Sociedad. I think it'll probably be in the quarterfinal. Again, Real Sociedad are going to put up a fight. They're not going to be an easy team. Um, they've been great in La Liga so far. I think they're going to push PSG, but PSG should be going through. They should be, but you know what? I'm going Real Sociedad, and uh, the, uh, there was there was some data that was put out in terms of um, on, and it's slipping my mind. Is it XG? Yes, probably. XG. Um, so, how many chances PSG has missed in this competition? And I don't have the data in front of me, so I don't want to say the number because it'll be, I'm sure it'll be way off. But it's amongst the worst in the competition. So I think that that'll kind of be weighing on them. And I think that Real Sociedad is going to find a way to get it done. So it's our first disagreement. And I kind of hope it happens because I don't really have any particular love or appreciation or admiration for PSG. I could really care less. So I kind of hope that Sociedad go through and uh, that's what I'm going to go for. Yeah, I really, I really don't hate that shout for you. It's like it, I, it could definitely could happen. I just, I think they'll just edge it and then choke in the, in the quarterfinal. At some point, you know, what chokes, whether it's now 100%. or it's <laughs> Lazio will take on Bayern in another tie. Gee, Lazio deservedly made their way through to the knockout round. And Bayern, of course, played some beautiful football to reach this point, going undefeated thus far. But who wins this one? 
Um, I, I, I don't want to disrespect Lazio, but I think Bayern Munich are going to steamroll them. Uh, they're just, they're built different this year, Bayern Munich. Harry Kane is scoring at just an absurd rate. Uh, and I like, you know, the wingers playing with him are playing great. The defense is looking actually like very solid, which um, not that I'm surprised by, but they've been a little shaking the f- past few years. They've really kind of locked it down now. I think this should be pretty easy for Bayern Munich. I think so too. And if there was a tie where you had to look at it and say it might be a little bit of a foregone conclusion, it's probably this one. And what I actually could see, and again, it, it's so far down the road, so it might be a bit of a ridiculous sort of opinion, but I could almost see a team like Leverkusen winning the Bundesliga and Bayern Munich putting all of their eggs in this Champions yeah. League basket and just really going for it. But uh, some of the stuff they've produced in the Champions League to go undefeated this, thus far, uh, unbelievable. So I'm going to also take Bayern um, with uh, great confidence. Next up, we've got PSV, who will take on Dortmund in the round of 16. This might be a, a bit of a tricky one to call, seeing as both teams have had moments of brilliance and moments of fragility uh, in the group stage. But, gee, who do you got? I think this is the most volatile of the ties, and I cannot wait to watch it. I feel like this is going to be like 7-8 on aggregate or like one nothing. Like, it's going to be one of the two. There's going to be no middle ground here. They're just going to go like full-on attack, or it's going to be like the most boring, dull, awful soccer we've ever seen. I'm going to take PSV. I think they're just going to edge it. So am I. So am I. Interesting. I, the only reason I say that is that I probably wouldn't if they weren't in Arsenal group in Arsenal's group, excuse me, and I didn't get to see them play. I thought the way that they played Arsenal, I thought to myself, if they do manage to get second spotter at the at the point when they played them, if they won the group or whatever, I think I thought to myself that they will do well in the round of 16. I think that they against whoever they went up against. But the fact that they have Dortmund. I actually think that they're going to do it. I don't know how, like you said, it could be absolute chaos or it could be just a gritty, like sort of one nil tie at the end of two legs. But um, I think PSV is going to do it as well. So we're both going to go that road. I'm really looking forward to that tie for sure. Inter and Atletico Madrid set us, uh, set us up to bring a really good tactical battle to our television screens. G provide us a little bit of analysis of what's going to happen over two legs here. I think this is going to be the most boring tie. But I think, like you said, tactically, it's going to be brilliant. You know, yeah. like for, for the casual who like doesn't really understand like tactics in soccer, they're going to hate it. Me and you are going to love this. This is going to be phenomenal. It's going to be one nil. That's going to be, I'm going to, I'll, I'll put money on that right now. It's going to be one nil. And I, I'm going to lean enter just, just by a hair. I think they'll get it. And it's going to be one nil. And, you know, I mentioned earlier about Bayern Munich putting all of their proverbial eggs into the Champions League basket. I actually think it's going to end up being the opposite for Inter. Not right now, because I'm also taking Inter. But I think after this round, I think whoever they go up against, and again, I shouldn't count out a team before anything's happened. But I think if they do make it to the quarterfinals, they'll probably crash out. And then it's going to be all guns blazing in Serie A to to really go for it. So I'm also going to take Inter here. uh, But like you said, for the, the non-educated from a soccer perspective, I, it's going to be a very boring tie, but it's, it's going to be ultra-defensive and amongst many other things tactically. So we'll both take enter there, but definitely it'll be a tactical battle of, uh, I don't want to say of the ages, but certainly of the year. Porto takes on Arsenal in the round of 16. Obviously, I am delighted that Arsenal is back in this competition in the knockout stages for the first time in a long 
long while, uh, since 2017 to be exact. And uh, I don't know how many uh, hours or days or whatever that equals to, but it's been a long time coming for me. So you could only imagine how happy I am. But uh, Gaetano, from your perspective, because you obviously know mine, uh, what, what can we expect here? Uh, I'm going to take Porto just to annoy you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they're actually going to go through, but just to annoy you, I'm going to take Porto. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll that one on the chin, and uh, you already know my answer. I barely got it, but uh, I think some of the stuff that Arsenal has been playing in the Champions League, for the most part, has been sensational. So even if I wasn't an Arsenal fan, I'd take them. But uh, again, Porto won't roll over. We were talking about, um, where was it earlier? Um, Leipzig. You know, Leipzig ain't going to roll over, you know, things like this. So I think uh, Porto will give them a, a tough tie. But I think it'll be one of those where Arsenal end up winning it by maybe two, possibly three goals. And lastly, it's the matchup apart from Arsenal and Porto that I personally am looking most forward to. And that is Barcelona and Napoli. Gee, I can't tell you how excited I am for this one. I think this is set up to be the perfect balance of passion tactical prowess, uh, technical quality for sure. The ultimate question, however, is who is going to advance to the next round of these two sides? Yeah, and even just before we get there, just the two atmospheres that you're going to see in this tie, uh, like the, the, the Diego Maradona Stadium and the Camp Nou, like unreal on a Champions League night. Um, so that's just going to be incredible. I'm going to take Napoli. I... <laughs> I just think they have they have that little bit of magic. Uh, you know, I don't think they're going to make the the big push uh, for Serie A this year. I think they might kind of channel a bit of that magic from last year, though, into a Champions League run. Maybe not all the way, but I definitely uh, see them beating Barcelona. Yeah, and, and you know, there's those things that we see on sports networks like best of the rest. I yeah. think like if you had to, and it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of a condescending way to put it, but Napoli is, in my opinion, the best of the rest. Like, obviously, you got your Madrids, your Bayerns, your Cities. Um, I don't really know if you could put any other team in there, but certainly those three. And then you got, in my opinion, Napoli. Like, I think yeah. that they're a high-quality side. They're not really showing it maybe like they ought to in City, yeah? but I think this tie is, is going to go their way, and I think this, this competition for whoever they might play if they do advance I think it's going to be a difficult tie for whoever they play. So I'm going Napoli as well. So the only points of disagreement really are, are the fact that you're going to take PSG. I'm taking Sociedad. And then reluctantly, you took Porto. <laughs> oh, not, not reluctantly at all. <laughs> <laughs> I almost sensed a little bit of reluctance, but um, you know, we'll see what happens there. And uh, It's one of those ones where if I'm right, then like, it's awesome because I made a great prediction. And if I'm wrong, then, oh, well, like, yeah. Yeah, if, if if you happen to be right, it'll be the shortest episode of full-time after a <laughs> crash show ever. On your solo, and everyone's going to be wondering what the hell happened to me. But Hey, uh, I, dra- I dragged the Avery through an episode of Bitter Rivals podcast the day after the Habs eliminated the Leafs from the playoffs, so I can drag you through Arsenal getting knocked out in the round of 16 here. That was the COVID year, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that, too. And uh, <laughs> I don't... And- because I watch almost all of your episodes. I don't remember watching that one, but I do remember in my head anyways thinking when they talk, Avery's going to have probably the most miserable day of his life. Oh, it was like the shortest. It was like maybe 20 minutes tops and Avery maybe said 10 words. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, sounds about right. I don't know if I'd go to that extent, but uh, I definitely <laughs> my Arsenal. Just if you have confidence in your Manchester City, but beyond my Arsenal, your city, if you had to pick one tie, 
in this round of 16. Which one are you looking forward to the most, Gaetano? It's got to be PSV Dortmund. Like I said, I I just I can imagine the chaos and the fireworks and just the in, just insanity of it. Um, I really hope it kind of lives up to that. Um, but like, there's really not any bad matchups. Like like we said, even like the 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 defensive masterclass between Inter and Atletico is going to be awesome to watch. Yep. Like I think I think there's no bad matchups here at all. I, I totally agree, and uh, I think that that matchup that you just mentioned is going to be fantastic. I'm just going to go in a different direction. I'm going to go uh, with the fact that Napoli and Barcelona are really going to slug it out, but it, it's going to be maybe not so much the the tactical battle of Inter um, and uh, and Atletico or maybe the, the slugfest of, of, of PSV and Dortmund, but I think it's going to be sort of a blend of the two. So I'm going to go that one, but regardless, it's going to be fantastic. The round of 16 uh, will the round of 16 in the Champions League will commence on fr- uh, February 13th, rather, with the first leg of games, and it will wrap up on March 13th with the second leg. This is Daniel Scarpino and Gaetano Gallo, and you are listening to Full Time on the Game Sports Podcast. A reminder that Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. You can download an access to Pizza Portal app for any of the two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Have a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Full Time. As we bring today's show and our final show of 2023 to a close, we want to thank you not only for today, but always for supporting our show. You really are the heartbeat of this program. Gatano, it goes without saying, but this has been yet another fantastic time, my friend. Yeah, it, it feels like we did like this whole like year-end thing like just not so long ago. It's crazy to think that a year has already gone by. Uh, you know, we've seen so much. I'm like super grateful that I got to experience City's, you know, probably best ever season I will ever see, like alongside you. Like that just makes it that much more special. Um, so just thank you again for bringing me along in this journey. Uh, I, I like, I love doing this. This is so much fun to do. I cannot wait to see what 2024 brings us. Neither can I, because if uh, if it was anything like 2023 was from a footballing point of view, we are in for an absolute treat. A reminder to our listeners that the next episode of Full Time will be recorded the week of January 2nd, 2024. In that show, we will talk Europe's Big Five, the MLS, if anything comes of that, because we uh, we probably will see something. The Carabao Cup uh, and the Champions League. As always, we'll keep everyone in the loop with all of the happenings in the world of football as the FA Cup as well is getting ready to kick off in the new year. For weekly content, make sure to hit like, follow, and subscribe to all platforms of both the Game Sports Podcast and 91N on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Podbean. For Gaetano Gal, my name is Daniel Scarpino, and thank you for tuning in to full time. We look forward to seeing you at kickoff next time back here on the game sports podcast and 91 N Merry Christmas and happy holidays to all of you. Best always.